I would say if the authorities didn't want us involved in the public square, they ought not to have crucified Jesus in the public square. Use humanistic principles. Well, I would say the Dan, same idea. I would say same that. Answer. I would say, what's the problem with stardust bumping into stardust? In the in the cosmic picture, no, there's no problem. In the oh, cosmic right. picture, it won't matter. No, Mr. President, you are not protecting reproductive freedom. You are authorizing the destruction of freedom for one million little human beings every year. I'm sorry, my friends, but I am tired of seeing Jesus presented as a weak beggar. He is a powerful Savior, and the Gospel is not a suggestion, it is a command. Reverend Mola, don't you sympathize with that? I sympathize with every single human heart wishing to know the one true and living God, but I believe there's only one way that that can happen through Jesus Christ, and the Gospel is about repenting of sin, not celebrating it. adventure. We will explore the spiritual abyss. You have not experienced this before. You're gonna love it. I do not cease to give thanks for you all, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which you he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all what's up guys welcome back to another episode of apologia radio this is the gospel heard around the world you guys can get more at apologiastudios.com as always that's a-p-o-l-o-g-i-a studios.com that's where you guys can go to get hundreds of radio shows, podcast episodes. You can get Apologia Radio. You can get Cultish. You can get Sheologians, Provoked. All that's there. You can also sign up for All Access and partner with us in all the ministry that we're doing, whether it's sermons you see going out, whether it is on-the-street evangelism, public debates. All of our ministry partners have helped us by partnering with us in ministry to make all that happen. So the world being transformed through the gospel, through Apologia Studios, is happening because people just like you sign up for all access. And when you do, we give you some nifty gifties. Nifty! They're nifty gifties. We give you nifty gifties and uh, sign up for all access. And when you do, you get the TV show, you get the after show, you get Apology Academy, and you get Ask Me Anything happening once a month live at apologiastudios.com. It's all happening there just for all access. Partners, you guys can ask questions, interact with us. It is a blessing to do that. So um, also, don't forget, if you haven't signed up yet, get your Bonson U free account, Bonson U. It is a seminary-level education in 
uh, at ApologiaStudios.com. It is completely for free, so it's Dr. Greg Bonson's life work, and uh, it is literally seminary courses, lectures, college lectures. You also have his uh, Bible studies he was doing. You have his sermons he was doing, his sermon series through church. Uh, It is absolutely amazing, and it is free at ApologiaStudios.com. Thank you once again to the Bonson family for giving that to us and and trusting us with that. And so, yes, it's completely free, totally free. The Bonson family wanted to bless the world with it and uh, have it be at no cost to you, which um, you've heard me say doesn't make a lot of sense because you can go to seminaries today and not get anywhere near the education you'll get with Bonson U, and you'll put yourself into debt over there, and this is completely and totally for free. It's a gift. Uh, It's being given to the world because we believe that uh, the Word of God changes things changes everything. And uh, we believe that if uh, you get uh, these solid teachings into your heart and your mind, uh, God will use it to transform the world and bring glory to Christ. So that's why it's happening. I'm Jeff. They call me the Ninja. That's Luke the Bear. What up? And that's Joy the Girl. Hello. And we are here for another episode of Apology Radio. Lots to talk about today. We're going to talk about movies, Dune. If you haven't seen it yet, we're going to talk about that. Uh, We're going to talk about Alec Baldwin and the shooting on the set, the very, very tragic shooting on the set in New Mexico for the movie Rust with uh, Alec Baldwin. We're going to talk a bit about that. And we're also going to talk about uh, this interesting article by The Guardian uh, that goes after Doug Wilson, our friend Doug Wilson, and our friends over at Christ Church. And the title of the article from The Guardian is Make It a Christian Town, the Ultra-Conservative Church on the Rise in Idaho. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. And, is uh, ultra higher than extreme, I wonder? I, I think so. I, that's right. you got right-wing, ultra-right. I want to know, like, what's, uh, what's more? Uber, extre- Uber, Uber right. extreme, ultra. Like, what ranks higher, ultra or extreme? Ultra seems like the, the best. Like, it's the, it's the top. I don't know. That's a good point. I didn't even mm. think about that, ultra. It's not just extreme. I was labeled in the last couple of weeks through Rolling Stone and others uh, extremist pastor. Yeah. Oh. Doug got ultra, yeah. so he's winning. Mm-hmm. He needs to win. He, sh- he You're should just win. extreme, unfortunately. I'm just extreme. I'm, working like- my, I'm getting there. I'm working my way. <laughs> I feel like somebody needs to do a Doug Wilson Ultron mashup now. Mm-hmm. Ultra. Ultron mm. Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what they're scared of, yeah. aren't they? <laughs> We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, probably better than extreme. How when the world um, views a orthodox Christian church that believes that the goal of the gospel is to actually win the nations to Christ and teach them to obey, when the world sees that, the world today freaks out because. Typical evangelical churches in the West like to stick to themselves. They don't want to cause any problems. They recognize their lane. This is my lane of the spiritual things, and that's your lane over there that Jesus is in control of. Um, and uh, when when you have a consistent Christian church that isn't unusual in history, that just believes what mm-hmm. I just read to you from Ephesians, uh, that Jesus actually has authority over every, over every rule and authority and power, that he is the one with ultimate authority, and, authority, and God has put all things under his feet. Uh, that's just Christianity 101, uh, but it's weird today. It's really weird today. And so you're an extremist or you're an yeah. ultra yeah. extremist if you believe Paul. That's it. And <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. It's like when we were uh, when we were in uh, Kauai and we started getting um, uh, people putting up posts about us in the Kauai local chat groups uh, who were all like leftists and liberals and <clears throat> went after us because we believed that homosexuality was a sin and things like that. Uh, one of the things that they put when they were trying to vilify us and get us, quote, thrown off the island is they put that uh, this church, Apologia Church, is not like the other churches in the island. They just want to be left alone. 
I thought, hey, you really... Why won't they just live their own truth? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't want to just be left alone like the other churches right. here. They actually believe what they say. <laughs> they... So stupid. It is. It is. Which, like you said, has been the historical position, <laughs> believing what you say. Yeah. It yeah. used to be like people like Hitler were considered extreme or like mm-hmm. the Third Reich would be considered ultra. Mm-hmm. Now it's the people that want to love other people. And just believe the gospel. Yeah. Now the goal is to win everyone to Jesus Christ. It's weird times we're living in. It truly, truly is. Let's talk about something fun. So um, I got to see Dune. Um, it was I was going to leave town to go to Denver with this guy and Pastor Zach and um, the, and Zach. Uh, we're with the Zachs. The Zach. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were, we went to dinner and there were th- it, it, it didn't dawn on me till dinner that there were three Zachs at yeah. the table. Lounchlager, Morgan, right. and Conover, and yeah. the and Zach. so what do we th- what do we think for the names Morgie, uh, Connie, and lo- and, and Loudy, 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 Loudy. We like the pouty. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then together they become Ultra Zach. Yes, Ultra, ultra Zach. <laughs> uh, so there was a night before I think I think it was the night before I left, and I was like, well, I'll take my son out to a movie. So. You know, I saw the commercials for Dune. I was like, I don't know if it's going to be any good, but, you know, I heard it's pretty good. So we went out to see Dune. I saw it at the Alamo, which isn't an epic theater. Um, actually, by the way, it's not called the Alamo anymore. It's called the Majestic. Do they still feed you there? They do. Well, it's not near sense. as good mm-hmm. as it was. Um, well, Alamo, COVID. Yeah, yep, COVID had got them. Yeah. yeah, Alamo. Uh, COVID, they died with COVID. COVID. Got, exactly. So I'm assuming someone just bought it. Majestic yeah. bought it. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or, or maybe the landlord's smart. Maybe the owner of that property i was thinking maybe this is the case is like i have a movie theater i can't gut this place it'll cost more to gut this place and do this so maybe i'll just take over it and run it as a business call it the majestic it's it's a turnkey business right open the door and you have it yeah um at at any rate so i go to see doing a solid alamo it wasn't like an imax or anything and i just got to say that was one of the most epic movies and experiences some people may not like the movie uh, from a, the standpoint of people, I'm not the expert here when it comes to cinematography and all that stuff. We've got guys who are in charge of that. But from the standpoint of like what we know is is beautiful and good art, and it's like people who care about their craft and doing it well. In other words, I'm talking about not Christian movies. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about the way you know we used to rule the world of art. Not princess cut. Yeah, <laughs> we used to rule. We gave like beautiful art and architecture to the world, and then we just walked away from it and handed it over to the secularists. But this, in terms of cinematography, the beauty, the soundtrack. I mean, I was at the Alamo where it's not like IMAX, but I was you. Could could feel the soundtrack in your chest and it was just it did something i mean it's a long movie it's like two and a half hours long and mm. that's just part one oh, um oh, okay. and so yeah part two is, is i didn't realize that yeah part two's coming so it's just half of the movie and i was in it the whole time uh i uh, from unless i walked out which i don't think i i think maybe went to another once i don't really remember any, any nudity you. um uh, language. I don't think I remember any 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 real serious problems with language. Uh, it was just it just very good story. It was very creative. Cinematography was amazing. The soundtrack was absolutely off the charts. Uh, so yeah, and it, it comes that that used to be what a book first, and then a movie in the seventies. Is that right? Ask yes. Matt. 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 Matt's no on. Idea, so. Matt's on right now, and he's he's a little older. Matt, was it a book first, and then a movie? Do you know that? A I believe older. I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah, Listen, I, we have our own movie guy voice. Yeah. The, the, Listen to the Matt. Old, hey, hey, the Matt. old intro reminded me that we have our own guy. Yeah. Do your emergency alert, Matt. This is a warning that you must pay attention to what I'm saying. 
He's got a great voice. <laughs> he great narrator voice. Um, like his voice matches his it. biceps too. Yeah, yeah. He made, <laughs> we call him Big Matt, Beefy Matt. Uh, yeah, we were at DC earlier earlier this year. Uh, early, in, and that's how you say it, right? I'm tired today. Uh, I think so. Uh, Matt was carrying like like 500 pounds on his back. And just had no and problem. Was fine. Oh, he was fine all day long. He was perfectly fine. Well, I knew about the book, While eating the tofu. dude book, because uh, did you guys have? I don't know. Maybe it was just me, but was there a guy in your high school that was just constantly reading Dune? Nope. I did. I, I did see people reading Dune. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, I remember seeing a huge cult following. Yeah, they do. I just learned it was a book. So yeah. Okay. And uh, apparently there was, uh, you know, conspiracy stuff or stuff that happened, like where there was like blame going George Lucas's way, like you stole our idea, sort of a thing. Oh really? Uh, that's just what I heard. I'm not mm. neither confirm nor deny. But um, anyway, so it was a film in the '70s. Uh, actually, I looked at the trailer for the film in the '70s. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty decent for the '70s. It looks not not too bad. We need to see it. It's great. Yeah, I'd it's love to. it's really really good. I looked it up and it says there's no visible nudity. There's some like, I guess there's some like quick flashes of some things, but nothing that they actually define as like. Don't you hate that nudity. when you when you're watching a film today that's like a great story, great cinematography, the language is bad. All of a sudden they're like, well, I guess what is this the part where we throw someone naked? Okay, great. <laughs> right. And like you have just, to get a, you have to get assaulted with that. You're mm-hmm. like, come on, why can't you just make a film with all, all this stuff? We don't have to have it. Is there a token gay character? Uh, no. All right. Not that I remember. Not at Kudos, all. Dude. No, not at all. Uh, so Good on I, you. Yeah, I, I just thought it was fantastic, and so that's just what I want to say. Do you guys want to say anything about any films in particular? Uh, I, no. Speaking of film, <laughs> you were. I think you were talking about. You were telling us the story of a movie that your oh. parents. Right. I knew there was something there. So yeah, um, I was uh, eight years old. And I remember this vividly. It's one of those memories. It's like it feels like it was yesterday. You can remember every detail. We were living in Maine. It's bef- called a flashbulb memory, by the way. Is it what's called? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. I'll remember that. <laughs> uh, I'll try to remember that. <laughs> um, so we were living. It's a, I remember it vividly because we had moved from Holland. My dad was in the Air Force. Weird? Isn't that weird? We went to Maine like short, for a short period of time before we went to Holland. Uh, sorry, Japan. And uh, Maine. I was living at L- Loring Air Force Base, Northern Maine. Which there is nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing, Lobster. nothing out just there. Just a base. It's just potato fields and forest, and it is just all I remember is that snow, snow, mm. snow, snow. I mean, so much snow that you had to like get up every couple hours at night and take turns shoveling your way out of your uh, your door and your driveway. Otherwise, your door would, you'd get snowed in. Right. Because um, you're at the northern tip. And uh, the wintertime, I mean, snowfall is, there's a lot of it. So the place that we were, this is so many memories of this. The place we were was this sort of eerie, scary place. There's nothing. It's silence. It's just forest, snow, potato Everything fields. Everything you just described sounds yeah. very eerie. It feels like something out of a horror. As a matter of fact, <laughs> right. okay. Gray. I'm sure it's very gray. Yes. The, the movie, exactly. Always cloud cover. The movie uh, It. Right? Don't oh, they yeah. film that in Northern Maine? Yeah, that's all of all of Stephen King's that, books. Take place and in Maine. actually, we went to Stephen King's house. Oh, uh, cool. uh, my dad was a huge Stephen King uh, fan. He had all of his books, 
And so when we lived there, we went to Bangor, and he has a house in Bangor. His house looks like a haunted house, I like bet. purposefully. Okay. Like he has these black gates and like I think bats on his gates, mm-hmm. and it looks like a gargoyles, hor- something stuff. like out of a horror film. Uh, it's very depressing there, and I'm, I'm sure there's beautiful parts of Maine. If you guys live in Maine and you're like Jeff, you don't even know. I, I'm sure there's great parts, but where I was, it's very depressing. Does a clown answer the door when you ring the door? It felt like that. So <laughs> there's a rabid dog. It's out scary. Front. It's oh, actually we ran into we ran into St- uh, Stephen King at the movies. We were going to see uh, we were going to see Good Morning Vietnam. I remember that, and uh, we went to movie theater, and my dad sees Stephen King. Small town. That's pretty cool. At the theater, going to see, and and Stephen King sat right in front of me during Good Morning Vietnam, uh, directly in front of me. But I had a horrible experience huh. with Stephen King. Sorry, not trying to slander you here. If you ever get to see a Stephen King, if you ever watch an apology or radio, um, uh, we go to the theater. My dad's like fangirling, and uh, he's like, "Go get his uh, autograph for me." I'm like, I'm like eight. He's like, "Go get his autograph for me," and I was like, "Okay." And so I walk up to him, like, "Hi, Mr. King. Can I have your autograph? My dad loves your books." And he goes, I don't do autographs, kid. And he turned around and walked away. Oh. And my dad was like, I hate you now. I'm never watching your movies wow. yeah. again. Depending on when that was, yeah. uh, I could imagine. He used to do a lot of drugs. So I could imagine oh, really? there was yeah. a period of his life where he was not the most he, pleasant he person He could have been ever. having a bad moment. I don't hold it against him. At any rate. <laughs> so this is my, my scary memories of Maine. Depressing, dark, gray, snow, Stephen scary, fields, potatoes. <laughs> Stephen King, mm-hmm. kick him my butt. <laughs> Uh, and then my parents were living on a military base. They have no friends and no family around. They're like, we want to go see a movie. And this is like this teeny tiny little movie theater on the military base. And there's nothing to it. It's just like one screen. And they're playing a movie my parents wanted to see. I don't know why. And it's called Hellraiser. <laughs> and so all I remember is going into this theater, my parents saying, mm. we have to bring you with us. We want to see this movie. Uh, you know, just sit still. And if the movie gets, you know, too scary, just look away. That's like, yeah. And so I remember my sister's- In a movie theater where all your attention is specifically- My sister's sitting next to me, and I remember that the entire time, everybody was staring at us. Like, every adult in there- Like, why did those In their right mind was trying to, like, give eyeballs to my parents, like, no. No. We're judging you. No. And then they're looking at at me like, like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they're probably all military, too. And huh? all I remember is is this this was me through, they were all military. This is me through the whole movie Hellraiser. I remember eight years old, this is this is me. This, I, I've frozen in fear and, and entering into like, you know, you see the world as a kid and you're like, I'm climbing on trees and I'm running around outside and there's friends and flowers and things. And all of a sudden you're like, there's this whole other evil world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I, I probably didn't sleep for like three months after that. Because yeah. it was Hellraiser 1. Right. Well, and there are there are horror movies. And then there are horror movies that give you kind of an icky feeling. Hellraiser is one of those Very much feeling. so. It's not only icky feeling. It's also, I think there was like graphic. Yes. It's very graphic. I've and actually dark. never seen any yeah. of them. It's so. very, it's really. I, I don't, don't recommend even, it. I don't I was, recommend it for anyone. My, my parents wouldn't much let less me see it. Yeah, your parents loved you. <laughs> yeah. Eight-year-old Jeff would tell you, don't go see the movie, Luke. Um, no, that's, that's I, I feel like that's one of those things. Like, is that redeemable? No. Can you just like. No. Can you yeah. sort of like a- angel vid that and, you know, you would have like a 30 second movie it would just be like a moment of the, yep, yep, <laughs> arm, arm, it'd just be the credits, credits yeah that's, that's, that's all there would be um <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we gotta. We need Christian filmmakers to make some good films, like intriguing. Heaven films. Razor, even scary. Heaven, <laughs> somebody would totally make that. Probably Heaven exists. Razor. Honestly, there's Marcus exists. Pittman, someone, Laura, <laughs> Heaven Razor, someone on. Uh, You're welcome. One of those Christian streaming services right now is going. That sounds like a delicious idea. <laughs> Um. Uh, so okay. So speak. Speaking of movies, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my. It's. It's. A, that was a jarring experience for me. For me as a child, very scary. That's experience. a really. That's it's horrifying. That's not a kid movie. No. It's not even a good adult. It's, it's not a, for adults. I don't even. know it's why horrible. somebody to this day I've thought like why didn't somebody at the door say to my parents, "Pardon me." But I'm not going to sell you this ticket right now. This is not appropriate. Just no. No. Uh, But yeah, they brought me in. I sat through the entire Hellraiser and uh, yeah, didn't sleep and scarred me for life. Well, you could have just looked away slightly to the Right. (laughs) Um, Man, that messed me up big time, too. I, I I remember being like up that whole night just staring at my closet, just like, I don't, I, I didn't know the world had these things in them. And, um, yeah, don't do that to your children. Yeah. Parents, good Christian advice. Don't let your children watch Hellraiser. There's a reason, if you didn't already know. There's a reason you have vivid memories surrounding yeah. it. <laughs> it scared you a lot. <laughs> um, so, speaking of films, so, Luke, you wanted to talk about this today. Uh, the situation with Alec Baldwin. Yeah. On the set of Rust in New Mexico, uh, he killed the cinematographer, uh, by shooting a weapon that had a live round in it. Yes. And uh, he injured somebody else, correct? Somebody else was injured. I believe so. And uh, Matt, yeah. that's where we need Matt the, on the yeah, details. The, okay, the so Matt, Matt, fill us in on the details that you know about the situation, and let's hear you speak to it. By the way, Matt is our director. Uh, Matt's a genius, super talented, and uh, he's been in the film industry and in this entire industry for how long, Matt? Like 30 years? Plus. 30 plus years. So, and has right. large biceps. Yeah, and he has big, big, beefy biceps. If you, want, if you have 500 pounds you need to carry it somewhere, you call Matt. That's what we do. Hey, Matt, we got weight. Move it. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> okay. All right, Matt, tell us about what you know. So uh, something like this hasn't happened for over 30 years. With last person that was shot on set like this was Brandon Lee. Yep. And so mm, that's right. the industry overall is pretty safe. But uh, they did not follow rules on this set at all. There, uh, there's a hierarchy. You have the director, and then you have the AD, which is the assistant director. And that man is in charge, or woman is in charge of all the things, all the operations that are going on. He's like the lieutenant to, you know, to the captain. Right. And so he's, he's responsible for everything that really does happen. But then you have also a prop master who's in charge of all the props. Then you have the armorer who's underneath the prop master. And so all these people actually down the line are culpable for what happened, I mm. believe. Mm. So it, there's no way, no how, there should be any live round on a movie set like that. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they found around 500 shell casings around the set and on the set of live rounds that were shot for target practice, basically. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I guess a lot of us don't know. Go ahead, you, you speak to this, Luke. I was going to say that a lot of us don't know the facts to the, about this, but yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so from from what I understand, and Matt, if I'm wrong or something, correct me, but basically he, someone gave him a gun. He thought it was loaded with a blank or yes. was ready for... The, the, AD, the AD said it was a cold gun, which means that in no way that should have hurt anybody. Yeah, and so I don't know if he was like point at the uh cinematographer like actually filming or if it was practice or whatever but it had a live round and then he shot her um you know and she died and 
just a horrible tragedy. And the reason I wanted to bring this up was just, I mean, it's obviously in the news a lot. And I think the thing that's been, been hard for me to kind of witness is just the people that are like wanting to like burn Alec Baldwin to the ground over this, um, especially Christians, you know, and I thought it was a good opportunity to talk about the law of God and manslaughter and um, kind of, you know, what that should look like uh, in, in the eyes of God and what should the punishment be and stuff like that. And obviously there's, it's under investigation right now. So it's, we don't know all the facts, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just saw a video you were just watching and where people have been literally were like, tr- tr- uh, like following Baldwin and his kids and like, you know, trying to get a statement from him. And, you know, it's just, it's just awful. The people going after him, um, for, for something that really shouldn't have been his fault and was a complete accident. Let's play that. So here is, uh, I guess, Apparently, this this is a video of uh, Baldwin and his wife. Is that his wife? I his girlfriend? I think so. He's got his, his kids wife. in his She's car. quite a bit younger. It's his wife, yeah. And uh, his kids are in the car. I guess he finally stopped and pulled the car over because he was being chased by the media. Yeah. So he came out to give him an interview. And I think it was CNN, right? Uh, may have been. I think it was. Okay, so here's a clip of that. Let's go. Let's go. I will. What do you want to know? All right, Ali, what's the current state of what's going on with the case? I'm not allowed to make any comments because it's an ongoing I've been ordered by the sheriff's department in Santa Fe. I can't answer any questions about the investigation. I can't. It's an active investigation in terms of a woman dying. She was my friend. She was my friend. The day I arrived in Santa Fe to start shooting, I took her to dinner with Joel, the director. We were a very, very, excuse me, we were a very, very, you know, well-oiled crew shooting a film together, and then this horrible event happened. Now, I've been told multiple times, don't make any comments about the ongoing investigation. And I can't. I can't. I can't. That's right. it. And you met what, with, are the, sorry. what are the questions that you have other than that? You met with the, uh, the, the, the um, I'm afraid I forget her name in a moment, but you met with her family? Uh, in the Helena. Yes, her I name met is with her Helena. Husband. If you're spending this much time waiting for us, you should you know, know her, her name. name. Her name is Helena. Helena Hutchins. I met with her husband, Matthew, and her son. Yeah, that's right. And uh, how did that meeting go? Uh, I wouldn't know how to characterize them. Be, they're they're, they're you, mortified. You guys, you guys, you know what? You, no details. But, but do, do me a favor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the question. Well, I appreciate that he was probably very upset. The, 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 the guy is overwhelmed. Why? I'm bothered by questions like that. I, I mean, know it's... I feel like why why do you want to ask a question like that? What do you think the family's right. feeling? Oh, right they're now? just they're full of joy. Yeah, well, they're fine. They're good. It's like it just seems this is just total harassment. You know, obviously, I I'll tell you what I think of Alec Baldwin. I don't. Uh, there's a lot of problems I have with him personally and the things that he says right. and on his own. I think he's a brilliant actor. Right. I think he's I extraordinarily agree. talented. And I think in this situation, I I feel you. I, I've seen people mocking making jokes about i mean even like the very day of the yeah. of the shooting where she died you saw people coming out immediately with memes like mocking the situation it was, it was like definitely this, too soon it's a human being that was killed here um nothing is funny about that and um and people just took i don't like alec baldwin's politics so i'm gonna go ahead and you mm-hmm. know make light of his his plight and i think that that is uh, that is a deplorable way to behave in a situation like this, my own thinking in this case is anybody who owns a firearm um, and uses firearms um, is generally very, very cautious, careful, um, aware of what's going on with your weapon. Um, I've got a weapon in my bag right now. I can tell you everything about it. I can tell you how many rounds are in that. In that, 
I can tell you when those were placed in there. I could, I, you know, I'd put fresh rounds in there. I can tell you exactly when I did. I can tell you what kind of rounds are in there. A special kind of hollow point bullet uh, for self-defense. Um, everything about it. And I can tell you whether something's in the chamber right now or not, uh, because I'm super careful with it at all times. I know at all times whether I have something in the chamber or whether I don't. I'm always aware of what's going on with my weapons. Um, we just uh, had a leadership retreat, and we took um, uh, a bunch of our guys out to the desert and children out to the desert uh, to go target practice and uh, shooting. And, and even in a situation like that, you're among friends, and you're with kids, and you guys are there to have a good time, but there's someone always designated mm -hmm. to run that line where there's going to be shooting. There are calls to, like, uh, cease fire, uh, that, that the zone is hot at the moment, that, you know, live rounds are going to be coming from here. There's always time and space between, like, getting someone to the line. Uh, there's just always an awareness of your surroundings and space, and there's always instruction given. Uh, there's always a checking of your magazine, like, mm -hmm. you know, how much do I have in there? Is there something in the chamber right now? You just constantly aware. And so what I think would have benefited someone like Alec Baldwin, who is 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 so opposed to like gun rights and those right. sorts of things, he's all about gun control. What would have helped him would been to actually lived in this world where people are responsible with weapons, because then they wouldn't be in a place like he is, I, I because there could be extra safety. I'll, I'll put it this way. Okay, here's what I'm getting at. If it were, I think, I think I can speak confidently. If it were Luke or me, or any other responsible gun owner, um, who was on a set with a gun, and I knew that the barrel of that gun was going to be pointed at another human being, you better believe that responsible gun owners would would have pulled out the magazine or checked the chamber, seen what was inside their gun, checked the ammunition, because you are always aware. Like, what's the, what's the rule about a weapon? You always treat it. As though it's loaded. Right. If there's, if you're ever around any gun whatsoever, you always, even if you're sure it's empty, you're always supposed to double check, triple check to make sure because you always treat every single weapon as though it's loaded. Right? Accidents will happen at times because somebody picks up a weapon that they assume doesn't have a live round in it. Right? They think, oh, I'm pretty confident this thing is safe. It's good to go. Um, and the next thing you know, they hit the trigger, something happens, someone dies, someone gets injured. So that's why the rule is there. Always treat every single weapon as though um, it's loaded, it has mm -hmm. a live round, it's ready to fire. And you never aim your gun at something or someone that you do not intend to shoot. Right. Right? And so, like, if you're going to aim a gun at a human being, like, you got to know what's in this gun, why am I doing this? And I know he's acting for a movie, but the point is, is a responsible gun owner who's actually been around guns, is, is, is appreciates the danger of guns, is always in a place where you're just always, like, hyper-vigilant. Double-check. Triple-check. Make sure. And that would have helped him. I'm not, I, I'm actually not saying that there's guilt, because you can't, look, everyone's trying to say guilt right. uh, for a Baldwin. Look, He's an actor in a movie, and somebody who's supposed to be responsible for the gun handed him the gun, right? Or however it took place, his assumption is there's this is this is not real, right? I'm yeah. acting; it's a film. And he was told it was a cold gun. He was told it was a cold gun. So the point is, is like you when you talk about biblical law, because that's what Luke was talking about. Biblical law has to do with culpability, right? Either I can prove that you meant to do it, right? That's just straight up murder, cold blooded. I planned it. I'm gonna kill you, and I meant to do it. Or you have situations where, like, you knowingly go out with, say, like, an axe that's loose 
and you do it anyways, but you knew that it was loose. You knew it can cause harm. Well, there's culpability there because, well, you're, you're responsible. Like you did something that you knew could have injured somebody. And so somebody was hurt. So there's different degrees of negligence. Uh, yeah, negligence. But in a situation like this, if, if it's true that he was told it's a cold gun, he's an actor on a set, and someone hands it to him who's like a prop master or the AD or whatever and says, yeah, you're good to go with this, and then he fires it or something happens and someone gets hurt, that you can't say there's culpability on Alec Baldwin's part. Not from a biblical perspective. You can't say, well, he's responsible. He did something. I think Matt's right. You can go down the line. You can yeah. say to somebody who's down the line here, why'd you put a live round in a gun on a movie set that was going to be aimed towards other human beings? Right. Yeah, I think there's definitely culpability there with a person who's hanging out with live rounds on a movie set. What are you doing? Hmm. Yeah, I think the the flying axe head is, is a perfect perfect example of you know it, it'd be like it'd be like if someone knew the axe head was loose but gave it to him and said oh it's fine go ahead and use you're good it. to go yeah and then you just you know these are professionals like he said just there like this is a crew he works with or i think you said a well-oiled crew or something like that like you just trust them you assume that everything's good to go and you just do your job and yeah. then you know well so. especially someone that has been in the industry as yeah. long as i don't know how many like prop guns he's fired in his career but he's right. had a long career so probably i'm assuming it's been lot, yeah. quite a few yeah <laughs> and it never happened before so right uh, he probably just there's an implicit you know, trust he had yeah, right with, with the person who's in charge of that gun yeah and also like the assumption is nobody's going to have a live round around this why would you do yeah, that yeah why would you even have a that's probably you know right. you gotta why give would him- it even be in the in the building or in the area or yeah, given the benefit of the doubt i i think if we were ever doing a film which lord willing one day we'll do and we have you know a set where there's going to be extra precautions sure. like there are no live rounds in the set you know, right now and have we checked this thing you know two three times over to make sure that it's safe and there are just nothing but blanks in this gun that sort of a thing uh that's just how i think christians would do it and i think anybody should do it who cares about the preservation of human life and so I think, it, in my mind, all you can do at this point is sort of like look at it from a bird's eye view and say, what could have been done better? The investigation has to happen to see if someone is truly culpable and, and did something stupid. But in terms of like someone like Alec Baldwin, who's so outspoken about all his leftist stuff, it's like, well, that, that ended up hurting you here. Yeah. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying right. that you would have really benefited from some solid Christian <laughs> uh, worldview stuff concerning weapons that you're handling and if you have these things in your house at all times and you're used to firing them, like you treat them always like they're the most dangerous thing. It, it's actually, this is really cool. So I know that your house in, in your house is definitely going to be like this, but I think in our community, from the moment my children were super, super small, um, I was always making them aware of the weapon in the house and how dangerous it was and how you don't touch it and you treat it as though it's going to kill somebody and you never you never aim this at somebody and so like i was teaching uh sage my oldest and then stellar um my almost youngest um i was teaching them uh trigger discipline at like three and four years old trigger discipline my husband just was talking to our two-year-old yeah because he just had the gun on his hip it wasn't a whole lesson he didn't give her a whole lesson right. he just said that's a gun like yeah you don't touch it you yeah know? and trigger discipline exactly and uh you know teaching your 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 boys your girls uh you keep your finger off of that trigger 
at all times, always. You put your finger on the trigger when you intend to defend yourself only. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're intending to put a bullet or a round through the chamber and you're, you want something to happen, that's when your finger touches the trigger. Other than that, you walk around with your finger off the trigger. So if you ever see my sons handling a weapon, you'll see the first thing they do is psh, their finger comes out and they're staying away from the trigger at all times. They're checking to make sure that there's no live round in the chamber. All of that. My kids grew up with that. They're, they're very comfortable and confident around weapons because they were trained very early on. This is a deadly weapon. This You can make no mistakes with this thing. And so they're always aware of like, is that a loaded gun? Keep your hand off the trigger. Keep the barrel away from any other human being. That sort of a thing. My children were raised around that. Mm -hmm. And I think that would have benefited someone like Alec Baldwin. Yeah, for sure. In a situation like this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been like the last line of defense. Not that he yeah. was well, that's the required point I'm or expect, But he like it would have been naturally he would have checked right but he didn't because he's not a responsible gun owner and as far as i know maybe not even a gun over owner at all so mm -hmm. yeah it just would have uh it would yeah there's, there's an extra like step his of perspective and how yeah. he handled but yeah i don't it's not it's not his fault it is really a, a shame yeah it's a, it's very sad you got and here's the thing i think that uh, the final thing i would want to say to this and i know we're all in agreement on this you can despise the worldview of a person, right? Mm -hmm. You can hate mm -hmm. what they say, what they teach. You can think that what they, comes out of their mouth is entirely destructive. But that person, if they're a human being, that's not a beast. It's not an animal. So you can't treat them like one. Right. It's still a person who's made in God's image. And there are moments in life where violence against another human being is a necessary thing. Um, and that... What I mean by that is, let's say for as because people have a hard time thinking in categories. That's why I have to say this category. When I say you have to treat a person as much as you despise what they believe, you have to treat them not like a beast, but as an image bearer of God. You have to show respect and love and concern. You have to you have to uphold their dignity at all times. You have to make that attempt at all times. Now I recognize that there are, there are categories of life where you violence against another human being is actually the necessary, appropriate, loving, godly, just thing to do. For example, if a guy comes into a movie theater um, to in an active shooting situation to to murder people in a movie theater, in that case, I don't have to res respect his dignity. Mm -hmm. I have to kill him. Right. I have to I have to do violence against this person to save everybody else, including myself. So there is a category where I, I got to put the guy down like a beast because mm -hmm. he's acting like a beast. Right. Um, so there are categories of life like that. In a situation like this, as much as you might despise Alec Baldwin's worldview, as I do, um, you still have to uphold his dignity as an image bearer of right. God. You gotta show respect to the guy, like love the guy, show some compassion for the fact that, you know, what you know right now is that he accidentally shot somebody he cared about and they're dead now. That's mm -hmm. a person who was married that had a child. They're dead. So uphold his dignity, love him, respect him, like send him condolences. Like, cause that's what you know, what you know right now is it's an accidental shooting. And so I think the loving Christ-like thing that we'll do to do to, care for his soul and maybe even bring light into his life let him yeah. see the light of god is to actually say hey i'm really sorry that happened to you i you know i care for you i'm praying for you um i'm so sorry that, that you're that you're going through this that would be the right thing to do not memes that are mocking the man's plight yeah i mean it could have been like it could have happened to biden or some other i mean horrible anyone... leftist that i would be saying the same thing like yeah but you know. yeah it could have ha well it could have happened to anyone on 
yeah. any set with exactly, a gun yeah. where the what I like we said we don't know what happened so if the crew if something happened with the crew or maybe someone just thought they did something they didn't like yeah it could have potentially been someone you liked yeah exactly. <laughs> which is why you don't pay for right. that off someone you right, did exactly. it's right. not about who you like and that's just the court of public it, opinion well yes. it, it, i yeah. think what joy you're getting at is equal weights and measures exactly right so for Christians, we're not supposed to show partiality. Partiality is a very serious sin to God. You, should, you have equal weights and measures at all times. You treat everybody equally. And so in a situation like this, it's your least favorite guy because of his, because of his politics or because of his worldview. But you got to consider, like, what if it happened to my favorite guy? Right. Right? How would I be treating him? Well, don't show partiality. You have to treat image bearers of God without partiality, equal weights and measures. Yep. And so I don't think we would be mocking the situation if it was... Are there any famous conservative? Kurt Cameron. Kurt Cameron, right? Would you be mocking Kurt Cameron? Stephen Baldwin. Uh, Stephen Baldwin, his <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah. That's right. That's, That's right. That's right. I don't think we would. And so let's just consider that. So next, moving on now to... No quarter November. Uh, I I do. Uh, I love this month. I will say that yesterday was November first. Uh, I know. I kept checking. And uh, this, by the way, is pre-recorded for everyone's watching live right now. It's pre-recorded. Sorry, we're I'm I'm somewhere else right now in the world. Um. So uh, that was sort of an inception moment. Um. So I was, I was refreshing. I was refreshing. Um, Canon's YouTube page and their Facebook page all day yesterday. I must have done it at least 50 times because I was so looking forward to, and so was my family, by the way. I showed my, my kids, I showed them like the last couple of mm. years. I'm like, look how every year he's going up a step from the couch to the field to you know, his truck driving around. My kids loved it. And so we finally got the No Quarter November set fire to something um, video. I'm going to go ahead and play it. It's only three minutes long, but I think you guys will really enjoy it and point you to Doug's stuff mm-hmm. when he does his No Quarter November at Blog and May Blog yeah. is where it's at. And then we're going to talk about the Guardian's uh, recent attempt at a hit piece. He's getting a lot of these lately. We've gotten some, yeah, no, but he's really so. gotten some That's lately. because he's Ultron Doug. Yeah, he's Ultron Doug. So this is uh, Doug's No Quarter November um, uh, trailer. Here we go. Welcome to No Quarter November. My name is Douglas Wilson. I'm glad you decided to join us. Now, some people want to know, what is it about November that makes us want to burn things? What's with that? There's a little libation for those evangelicals who think I ought not to be drinking stuff like that. The reason, the reason we're doing this is not that we're, we think that there's a moral obligation that we have to be incendiary, because we don't have a moral obligation to be incendiary. What we're saying is that the world has mysteriously, for some bizarre reason, become flammable. So, the world is flammable. Everything catches fire these days. All you have to do is say something like white babies or or something like men shouldn't have sex with unstable women. Things that would have gone past without comment in a saner time. But we don't live in a sane time. Um, We're not incendiary people here at Cannon Press. We are ordinary people, normal people, in a flammable time. 
and that explains why things burn in November. The basic point of no quarter November on my blog is that normally, 11 months out of the year, when I say outrageous things or things that I know that people will take as outrageous, I make a point of qualifying it. I, I call it, it's not always in the second paragraph, but I call it the second paragraph rule, where I say, now, when I say this, I'm not saying this and that and the other thing. I qualify, and I qualify, and I qualify. And nobody pays the slightest bit of attention to my qualifications. And so I decided a few years ago that let's see what happens when I don't qualify anything. If I just say, if I just speak the truth, what happens then? Well, check in, no quarter November, and you'll see what happens then. My exhortation to all of you is that if it, if it seems like everything's gone nuts, if it seems like the world's on fire, just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Just stay with whatever your plans were. Keep doing what you ought to be doing. Stay at your post. Ignore the world. Mm. See? <laughs> well, I gotta get home for dinner. <laughs> Burn your boat. He did it. I'm like, how's he gonna do it? What's what's he gonna do to? What's he gonna do to top the other years? And he, mm -hmm. he every year he does it. I think eventually he's gonna have to set fire to a city or something. <laughs> I don't know. What, next is a city. Yeah, for real. Speaking of setting fires to city, that's, that's right. That's kind of what apparently what everyone <laughs> thinks he's doing. So I'm gonna show you this article, everybody. Uh, this is from the Guardian. It's about Doug and Christchurch, our friends in Moscow, Idaho. By the way, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, post it on our YouTube channel. By this point, is gonna be our discussion with Cross Politic guys. We got Chocolate Knox on there. We got Gabe the Water Boy and Pastor Toby. And um, it's on our YouTube channel. And it's our discussion with them about abolitionism, uh, abolishing abortion in the states. And, uh, and so we love those guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are Presbyterians. We're Reformed Baptists, but we share the same uh, Orthodox uh, biblical perspective on all the essentials of the faith. Um, we disagree with them over some. Uh, minor issues, and uh, we're unified, we're Reformed, we're uh, Calvinists, and uh, we're also, in our perspective of the future, post-millennial, we believe that Christ is ruling and reigning now, putting all of his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed and defeated will be death. So it's mm -hmm. all enemies and then death. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so that's our perspective. And by the way, that was the dominant eschatological perspective in this country uh, before the 19th century, uh, post-millennialism was all the rave, let's put it that way. <laughs> and um, so anyway, in other words, I'm setting this up to say this, Doug's position and our position, mm -hmm. and many Christians like us, isn't, it isn't an anomaly in history. Um, it's kind of the theme. Um, Christians right. believing that Christ has all authority and that the goal of the gospel is to actually win the nations to Christ. Uh, that's Matthew 28, 18 through 20, by the way, for all of you uh, leftist, um, uh, leftist journalists who are writing articles, you would do well to read passages like Matthew 28 and Ephesians, like we just read, but that Jesus has all authority over everything. His authority is absolute. There is nowhere where he is, does not have authority. So, in other words, in history, Christians believed in a thing called Christendom, and um, now that you have uh, 
in the evangelical context, context of the West today in the 21st century, now that you have most evangelical churches with an abandonment eschatology, let's leave the world and leave behind our undies and humanity, um, <laughs> most people believe, like, you know, Jesus has nothing to say to this realm over there. Like, we'll stay over here in our, our corner in our cave right. where you guys can run the world. Um, most people think like that. So when you have leftist journalists who see a, a church like Doug's, who's more historical and it just... They believe the gospel and the Great Commission that they're supposed to be doing this. It freaks these people out. Uh, so I'm going to read some of this to you guys because you got to read it. You got to you got to hear it. Make it a Christian town, the ultra conservative church on the rise in Idaho. Um, here we go. Increased influence of Christ Church. That's Doug's church, uh, whose leader wants to create a U.S. theocracy, comes as social conservatives aim to gain traction. A Guardian investigation has revealed that a controversial church whose leader has openly expressed the ambition of creating a, quote, theocracy in America has accumulated significant influence in the city of Moscow, Idaho. Christ Church has a stated goal to, quote, make Moscow a Christian town, and public records, interviews, and open source materials online show how its leadership has extended its power and activities in the town. Church figures have browbeaten elected officials over COVID restrictions— <laughs> built powerful institutions in parallel to secular government, harassed perceived opponents, and accumulated land and businesses in pursuit of a long-term goal of transforming America into a nation ruled according to its own ultra-conservative moral precepts. The rise of Christ Church may be playing out in a small Idaho, town, Idaho city, but it comes at a time when the U.S. is roiled by the far right, including Christian nationalism, and when social conservatives are seeking to roll back basic tenets of U.S. life, such as legal abortion, and that's their, there's their idol, there's their God, there it is, like, they're trying to stop abortion. Uh, we are, by the way. Um, it's also, again, if we want to talk about historically, it, has, it is not a basic tenet of U.S. life. Right. That's not like stop. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. That's not what our nation has stood for, and it has not been a normal, regular thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's still being done secretly with shame. Women are still have tons of. I mean, <laughs> in a way, it's it's not safe physically, and certainly not emotionally. So let's not just like pretend that everyone's out getting abortions and having right. a great time because yeah. they live in the U.S. That's just a lie. So you can roll back basic, basic tenets of U.S. life, such as legal abortion. Oh like gosh. eating an abortion. Right. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Abortion, let's stop Stop trying to normalize that. Exactly. As well as dominating powerful national institutions such as the Supreme Court. So the issue here, I'll just speak to this, is the problem you're, that we're viewing right now is a problem where a worldview that is contrary to the Christian worldview that gave rise to this nation and to the much of what is blessing us in the West, a an an, an antithetical worldview is dominating right now, and it's there. It's a leftist worldview. Admittedly, yep, they're dominating exactly. in social media and all that stuff. They're dominating, and so they're dominating in politics, and because they're dominating. What they're saying is things that are not necessarily true. Like, this is just a basic tenet of American life. No, it isn't. And no, it wasn't. In this country, right. before Roe versus Wade, as a matter of fact, check out the laws on the books currently in states across this union exactly right. uh, regarding abortion. Uh, 
why is it called murder in all these states? Why is it considered homicide? Why does it come with penalties for both the doctor and the woman? Because this was a nation that not very long ago valued human life from conception and said that if a mother kills her child, then there's penalty for that. And so you can't say it's a basic thing of American life. I would say you're, you're a buffoon. You're totally foolish. Just check out the states in the U.S. with current legal statutes against the issue of abortion. Roe versus Wade did nothing to stop that. Roe versus Wade is a court opinion. Congress creates laws in this nation, not the Supreme Court. They gave a fallacious court opinion. And if you don't believe me on this, listen to Joe Biden. His response to the Texas heartbeat bill was that we need to codify Roe into law because it isn't law. It's just a court opinion, right. and it can be rejected. So if you don't believe Jeff Durbin, the pastor, the at least the extremist pastor, Extremists. according to some, if you don't believe me on how our laws work in this nation, then listen to your king, Joe Biden. He says that we need to codify Roe into law. That's the response to the Texas law. So it's not true. That's a basic tenet of American life. If, if you want to say that, well, then let's get back to what are seemingly are basic tenets in American life and look at the states and see what they say about abortion, not what Roe says. What do the states say? Um, so what's interesting here is this term, by the way, this guy pretends to be a journalist. Give me a break. I mean, it's, it's like, it, it, know, it's, it's like the woman who wrote the thing on me in the Phoenix new times. It's yeah. like, you're pretending to be a journalist. Yeah. Is this journalism? You think this, what, what did James call it? It's like ninth grade. <laughs> it's like a ninth grader wrote this, um, this is even worse just than mad at the world. Uh, so it says Christchurch is a stated goal to make Moscow a Christian town. Really, it's interesting. In the first few paragraphs, aside from some word choice, I feel like Doug would say, thank you. Yes. I have been trying to. Yeah. This is all very true. Yeah. <laughs> Other than some words that uh, well, that would speak to his intent. Right. Of course. That, that third paragraph is just is just laughable. Which one? Uh, where it says, uh, church figures have browbeaten elected officials over COVID restrictions. Um, You mean when... They arrested people for singing psalms. Um, yeah, okay. Um, built powerful institutions in, par in parallel to secular government. I don't even know what that means. They're, what does that even mean? That they're trying to... I don't even know, like, because they have a college? Built powerful institutions in parallel to secular government. Yeah, that's laughable. What, they haven't created their own government. Yeah, what, is, what does that uh, even mean? Parallel to secular government would be like the government. Right, exactly. Parallel, meaning yeah. running alongside of... Yes. I mean, uh, come on. No, no. They have members of their church that have created, by the way, if you go to Moscow, Idaho, the best businesses in Moscow, Idaho. Yes. If you want to get good food in Moscow, Idaho, go to the Christchurch members' businesses they've opened up. If you want to get good service in Moscow, Idaho, go to those Christchurch people, the businesses that they've propped up. But parallel institutions, what? You mean because they created a school? Yeah. <gasps> Christians that created right. a Christian school? Oh, my goodness. How terrible. What a theocratic society that is. And then um, harass perceived opponents of that. Maybe they're referring to the Soviet Moscow stickers. Maybe. I don't yeah. Know. Um, which, in which they arrested some miners, uh, by the way. Uh, accumulated land and business in pursuit of a long-term goal of transforming America into a nation ruled according to its own ultra-conservative moral precepts. So you they, mean God's they, law? That's so, another one of yeah. those that's like, yeah, maybe some of the wording's off, but I feel like yeah. it's kind of a compliment. I mean, they yeah. got land to they build a church. They accumulated land and businesses. And to get a school. But, <laughs> but like, even in that statement, though, like, they're they're working on stuff there locally in Moscow, but in, in order of transforming America, I mean, I don't know if that's in long, long time right. down the road, but them getting land for a church and a school seems a bit 
bit of a stretch to make that into an, a nation-transforming goal. Well, think about the hypocrisy here. This person has a worldview, right? They want their yep, worldview. They want their shining through. Yeah, yeah, they want their worldview obvious. propagated. And as someone holding their worldview, acquired land and property, um, and started institutions, would they have a problem with it? Or is it a problem that he says that uh, Christchurch has harassed perceived opponents? Is this considered harassment of a perceived opponent? Right. I mean, publishing an right. article. What do you mean by harass? Attempting yeah. to vilify somebody. So if somebody speaks out against injustice or tyranny or something that's opposed to their worldview, is that called harassment? Like, are you guilty of harassment right now? The hypocrisy here is just bleeding through the screen. Absolutely. Uh, but when it says, this is what I wanted to get at. When it says Christchurch has a stated goal to make Moscow a Christian town, I would say... Oh, you mean like Jesus commanded? <laughs> what you're arguing with duh, is just straight up, duh. foolproof Christianity. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the goal of the Great Commission. <clears throat> right. Are you really chastising a Christian because they believe it? I mean, that's it. Sounds like it. These people actually believe what Jesus said. They're trying to actually do it. How dare they do that? I mean, in a way, it's the church's fault. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously we've just failed in our teaching of history and theology and the mm -hmm. Bible. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we, well, people just think that uh, Christianity is sort of what the cultural Christianity is now. Mm -hmm. Which is just like big beautiful campuses with churches that help people but you go and you go on sunday and you follow your pastor on twitter mm -hmm. and that's kind of it yeah so uh it says here that um further down the article but they also say that the church is increasingly drawing people to the area who are attracted to the idea of northern idaho as a conservative readout um, against American modernity and by the church's reconstructionist, quote, position, which holds that the world will need to be governed according to their interpretation of biblical morality before Christ returns to earth. Um, what you're really aiming at is post-millennialism. Mm -hmm. Reconstructionist as a group um, is, is, a, is in that vein of, of thinking historically, but if you did your homework you would actually see that Doug has numerous times said that he does not consider himself a Christian reconstructionist. I know. Um, hilarious. If you did your homework and like let's just say this. What if like we what if we're fair to you? What if we're fair? And we say at least listen to maybe the last 45 days of what Doug's put out to see like where he's at currently and you would actually run smack face first into um a recent episode where he talked about this very issue of reconstructionism and everything else. And he says he's not a card carrying reconstructionist and he doesn't want to be associated with that as a group. He holds to the historic perspective of post-millennialism and the reign of Christ, the rule of Christ and having all authority over all things. And yes, that Jesus is going to actually accomplish the great commission, which is what is being dissed in this. These people actually think that, 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 they're going to evangelize Moscow and that it's going to be Christian and that America is going to be Christian one day. It's like, Hey guys, like do your homework. That's Christianity 101 <laughs> from the beginning. We're going to win the world to Christ through the proclamation of the gospel. Yes. Yes. And amen. We're trying to make the entire world followers of Christ. Yeah. 
Wow. Like that's, that's the Christian mission. We want everyone to know Jesus, the entire world. Mm -hmm. And here's the question that has to be asked. Okay. So if the entire world is Christian, if an entire city like Moscow, Idaho, uh, becomes Christian, right? Um, what law will they obey? Is it just going to be autonomous? Right. Let's self-law? Like, we're just going to invent it as we go? Do you think a town that's submitted to Christ as Lord and Savior, when they're trying to figure out what's just in their town, how they should live, how they should live in a way that's loving to God and neighbor, do you, do you think when, they, when they're when they there, they're just going to create law sort of, you know, willy-nilly? Like, what do you think we should do? I don't know. What do you think we should do? I think most people will say, well, you know, there's this book. <laughs> And in this, in this revelation from God, these are the words of God, he's actually addressed these things. He's given his law word on it. And so don't you think that Christians who are Christians who believe in the Great Commission will actually attempt to do what Jesus says to do at the end of the Great Commission, where he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you? I mean, how crazy is that? The Christians are trying to win the world to Jesus and to teach them to obey Jesus. Yeah, admittedly, that's called a theocracy. And it's not a dirty word because the publisher of The Guardian also believes in a theocracy. A theocracy is a foregone conclusion. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have the God of your system ruling over that system, and you're always going to have that God being the determiner of what is right and moral and just and true and lovely. So the publisher of this article in The Guardian, he's also a th he's also into theocracy. He yep. just wants it to be a secular theocracy where the God is Demas, the mm -hmm. people, they determine what is right and wrong and just, or it's just, you know, the king, maybe it's Biden, whatever he says, mm -hmm. that's the law. That's a theocracy too. So you either, you have two options here, autonomy or theonomy, right, where you get theocracy from, yep. like the rule of God, God's law. And so theos namas, two Greek words, is God's law, or altos namas, which is self-law. So you've got those two options. It's either self-law or it's God's law. And lo and behold, surprising as it may be, Christians actually believe God's law is what's supposed to be the standard, not self-law. So Doug Wilson isn't an anomaly. He's not a strange happening in this world. Like, who could believe it? Uh, he's in the same line as the New England pulpit, which, by the way, to the absurd, ignorant fool who wrote this article, by the way, the, the Christians who gave us this nation, um, they were Christians, let's say the New England pulpit. They were pastors just like Doug Wilson. Yeah. And they gave you the right to to give a screed like this. You're welcome. So sir. you can thank you can thank the dead Doug Wilsons for your right to publish this drivel. Okay, and so that's what needs to be said. And by the way, all this stuff they always try to do it too, right? They always try to do it like, oh, and by the way, there's these there's this controversy over here where mm -hmm. people are making allegations. It's like, how much time does this guy spend? Actually right. studying Literally that controversy. Because all I did was put a link. You didn't yeah. Even... <laughs> How much time did you spend studying this controversy, Mr. Journalist, Mr. Journalistic Integrity? Did you go and actually interview the witnesses or to see what the other side was? Do you think, listen, this is strange. Do you think it's weird that you have people making allegations about Christ Church and the elders and these, these different situations? And isn't it odd that the Christ Church members and elders of that church uh, let that roll off them like water off their back? 
either they're really pompous, arrogant people who don't care about justice, or they're actually a church that cares about justice, and they know the truth behind those stories. Exactly right. Don't you think it's odd when you talk to Christ Church members, you're like, hey, what do you think about like all the accusations and controversies surrounding Everyone's like, we know the story. Yeah. We know exactly what really happened. We know the people involved. We know how it was handled. We know the evidences. And so it doesn't bother us because it's just pure slander and allegation. Um, people like this aren't concerned with the truth, clearly. Right. They're concerned with propagating their worldview. And best, guess what? Cards on the table. So are we. Mm-hmm. So are we. But it comes down to a question of whose worldview is actually consistent. And you see, here's the difference. In this guy's worldview, in this guy's worldview, he can lie, he can attempt to vilify, he can slander, he can try to lob bombs, right? And it won't matter if he's lying or he's unjust in any way because he doesn't have a worldview that demands of him that he is honest and just and careful. He doesn't have a worldview that can make sense of that. The difference is, from our perspective, yeah, we're trying to propagate our worldview, win the world to Christ, and have God's law be the standard. But in our worldview, it actually says that on our way to do that, we're not allowed to lie. We're not allowed to abuse others. We're not allowed to slander others. We're not allowed to gossip. So in our worldview, we actually have some built-in protections as we are trying to spread our gospel and worldview that actually can condemn even us. This guy's worldview is just suspended in midair. It's hung upon nothing. He has no balance. He has no concern for justice, no concern for truth. All it is is a guy who's now revolting against a faithful Christian church trying to win the world to Christ. So in this case, this guy is the one who should be vilified, right? For your behavior and for your attempt to make a church like this look like something weird. It's just a Christian church. It's a Christian church in line with the historical tradition of Christian churches who believed exactly the same thing. And what's the problem? We live in evangelicalism today where Christians are happy to stay in their caves and do Bible studies in their basements and wait for the rapture and leave behind their humanity so they can get to the higher spiritual existence up there rather than getting down to the basic work in life of the gospel call. And that's win the world to Jesus Christ. Suffer hard, get vilified, get slandered, get hurt for the cause of the gospel, win the world to Jesus Christ. One of the things, and I'll shut up here, that we love about Moscow, I've been there many times, um, is when you go to Moscow, the Christian community from Christ Church in some ways makes you feel like you've stepped into like Mayberry or something. Like, you know, there's this graciousness and love and kindness and love for God and love for each other. And you walk into a restaurant owned by a Christ Church member and you can see the theology Mm. impacting the work. Like whatever you do in word or in deed, do to the glory of God. How come some of the best restaurants... A basic tenet of United States life. (laughs) How how come some of the best restaurants there... Are, how come they're so great? How come even the secularists want to go to these restaurants because they have better food, they've got better drinks, they've got better everything, better service? Why? Because they're doing what they're doing to the glory of God. And so like, there's elements to it where like, you walk away from Moscow visiting, you're kind of refreshed, you're like... This is what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Yeah, exactly. We're supposed to be we're supposed to be bringing the light of Christ into every area of life, even down to the root beer. They have the best root beer at Jeff, They do. Jeff loves root beer. I do love root beer. He knows Tapped, root beer. He Tapped knows has it. got some good root beer. I'll tell you what. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like, do what you do to the Lord. It's always so encouraging and inspiring. And let me just say, I know Doug. I know the pastors at Christ Church. I know this church. It is a solid church. They're wrong on baptism. <laughs> <laughs> but I love them, and I'm ready to fight in the hole with them Amen. any day. 
Because I'll take I'll take Doug and his faithfulness over the typical modern evangelifist church that does nothing to serve Christ in the world that has any ultimate Amen. meaning or value. It's self-serving. It's all about me. It's all about the worship experience that I have. It's all about the programs in the church, but it's not about getting your hands dirty and cut and calloused and hurt as you get out there into the world preaching the gospel. We need more Christ churches Amen. all over the world. And I would say this, if there's anything that we're failing in at Apologia Church is we've got a global ministry impacting the entire world. i got people sitting watching right now in the studio who are from Puerto Rico, and they are going to preach the gospel at abortion mills and saving babies and all that. There's anything we need to do better is we need to get more in line with what Doug is doing and, and, and try and win our local yeah. So let me go ahead and just say for the record, yeah, I want to win Phoenix. We want Phoenix to come to Jesus and to obey God's law. We'd love for Phoenix, the city of Phoenix, and the state of Arizona to be a Christian theocracy. Oh, I'm feeding them. I'm going to give it to them. You're in trouble. Because that's exactly— now you're ultra. It's exactly the goal. You just got there. Ultra. Yeah. I just I saw it? you level it. up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll shut up now. We, Isaac, you need to throw in a little sound effect there. <laughs> Uh, no, I agree, I, and I love these guys, and I'm sure that today they saw that and they're partying because that's all they do. Oh they, yeah, they party. They're like laughing it, and let's go celebrate. Yeah, so. their response to this was most assuredly to laugh, and then go and right to tapped. Go and have a, a beer together, <laughs> a nice or root beer. beer or something. Yeah, <laughs> that was their goal. Yeah. So. Well, and it's just funny because if people who are alone to themselves are dangerous. Like as admitted as admitted by the article, then um, Doug doesn't. Not only does Doug not fall into that category, but almost everyone else in this country does. Mm -hmm. sure. Dangerous law unto themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of weirdly uh, backfiring. This article. I did also think it was funny uh, coming from. And you know, I don't know what the writer. I, it's funny because I actually think his last name is Wilson. Jason it Wilson. It is. Yes. Um. And I actually I don't know his personal beliefs, but He's I did probably think, a disgruntled cousin. I did think it was funny <laughs> that, um, well, apparently an insider spoke on the condition of anonymity, said which again, so we don't know who that person is at all. But anyway, said that all members tithe ten percent of their household income, and wealthier members are expected to make an even larger contribution. <gasps> what? Wealthier people being forced to. Do we have a problem with that in this world? Oh, that's so Love good. I didn't even catch it. Yeah. I didn't even catch that. That's, that's Joy being the master of the internal critique right there. Yeah. I, I think they're, I think the problem with it is that 10% is too low for these people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Joy, 10? that's beautiful. I did not even catch that. They can't believe that we'd expect to uh, tax the wealthier at a higher rate, right? Yeah. Also, I, I would doubt... Um, that there is an expectation set that if you make a certain there's no I, I don't think there's brackets at Christchurch where if you make a certain amount you're expected to no. it's not Mormonism does like check W2s and stuff right yeah yeah but I, I don't I am no I don't know Doug who, doesn't do that I don't know who he anonymously spoke to but I think that person right uh, got it wrong or maybe their statement was embellished slightly but. yeah and another example here though Look, whatever your perspective is on, on tithing, okay, great. Um, but you have to grant at least that Abraham gave Melchizedek 10%, and you have to grant a tithe in the Old Testament law. So to vilify the issue of the tithe, wherever you're at on it today as Christians, to vilify Christians who are called to tithe is to ultimately vilify what is in Scripture, 
at some point, right? So saying ew to that is crazy. But also, you know, this is exactly the point. This is a person who believes that the government should be in charge of taking all this money through coercion. Do you know what I know Christchurch doesn't do? They don't do coercive tithing. Like, they don't threaten your family and your life, your livelihood, your job, and threaten to throw you in some sort of a dungeon if you you don't tithe. There's that—but I know of a government that does— I know of a government that does take money mm-hmm. from people through coercive uh, taxation. I know a government that also says we should be taxing these wealthy people at a much higher rate, just like Joy said. That's a fantastic observation. Great internal critique. You should be teaching a class on that, Joy. Okay. Good job. Good job um, I just just to show you this guy. I looked. I clicked on his name. He did an article uh, here on October 9th that says tyranny. U.S. right-wingers portray nightmare vision of Australia's COVID response. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's exactly what it is. Right. It is straight <laughs> tyranny. It is it tyranny. It sounds like we just is agree with this want? guy a lot, yeah. but not in the way he <laughs> Good job. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. Yes. I mean, yeah. is that I'd, what you want? I'd say that women get thrown to the ground and, you know, manhandled for, you know, being in public and, you know, not having a mask on or something. I'd say that qualifies yeah. a little bit in the category of tyranny. Um, oh boy! Yeah, this guy—he'd be fun to have on. Come on the show; be a lot of fun to talk through. Come these on things. down, Jason Wilson, disgruntled cousin Doug. <laughs> so here we go. So now, uh, let's point everybody to End Abortion Now. Endabortionnow.com is where you guys can go to get your church um, equipped. You can get your church trained. You can get your church ready to go out to the abortion facilities to save children's lives there, to preach the gospel, to offer help and hope. Um, We have over 800 local churches now signed up with an abortion now. Um, So many of them are so actively going out and saving lives. Uh, I heard an encouraging story recently of just one woman who caught a video, signed up with an abortion now, and saved, I believe the number was over 70 children, and they stopped counting at that point because they were saving so many children. That's just one church. You can go. We want to equip you and be a blessing to you, so go to endabortionnow.com. Uh, sign up with your church, get equipped, get everything for free. We want nothing from you. And for those of you guys that just can't participate in the ministry in that way, but you want to participate in saving lives and helping us with all that we're doing around the states to bring uh, bills of equal protection, you can give at endabortionnow.com. Don't forget to sign up for Bonson U as soon as you can. Get that training. It is a blessing. It is a gift. It'll truly encourage you. I've gotten so many really great... Um, I've gotten so many great comments from people lately just talking about how bonson you with with barely oh, anything up there's only yeah. i think there's we have a 1900 i believe it is 1900 lectures um there's videos coming we only have a limited amount right now because we're remastering yeah. them and putting mm-hmm. them up sort of piecemeal and people have been just saying it's transformed my life just with the apologetic stuff and the other things it's just been a gift uh and that's what bonson does well and just to be clear um Everything that you just said is, in case anyone was wondering, any journalists out there, it is being done with the intent of changing the people around us and yeah. the nations. So yeah. just so there's no confusion. Yeah. To that's make exactly you, why To make you feel done. better at The Guardian, <laughs> uh, the Bonson You stuff is being done specifically to do away with your worldview <laughs> globally and to smash it to bits. And so there's nothing left. Yep. We want... People 100 years from now never even thinking the thoughts that you're thinking 
about the world and life and people and justice and all that. Basically, we're trying to erase your worldview from the map of human history. We want people to look back at it one day and say, can you believe people actually thought that? That's crazy. Uh, because it is crazy. And that is yeah. what we're trying to do. Amen. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. Amen. I was just going to mention, because I keep forgetting to announce it, on um, uh, December 3rd and 4th, we will have our first end abortion on weekend in Pollock, Louisiana. So Pollock. Pollock. Yep. So um, you can go to endabortion.com slash events, I think, is uh, the, the address for that. And the information is there. But, so if you're close to there and the, somewhere in the south, you're in Louisiana or a nearby state, come on by and, and be there on Friday. Thank you, Bear. That's the Bear. It's out. I'm Jeff the Coleman and Ninja. That's Joy the Girl. Yeah. And we will catch you next week right here on Apologia Radio. Don't forget to sign for all access at apologiastudios.com. Catch you guys later. It's all about humanity.